The dream economy is here. Are you coming? Welcome. My name is Katherine Morrison, and as I've coached countless online entrepreneurs into six, multiple six-figure and half-million-dollar businesses, I've learned a lot. One of the main things is that I'm not just here to help you create a high quantity of money. It's actually pretty easy. I'm here to help you do that through the highest quality money imaginable. That means activating and amplifying your unique frequency to take your being and form it into a magnetic, sharply differentiated brand that has clients dropping in out of the sky, salivating to work with you specifically, not someone who does that thing you do. I'm here to help you open the channel for the creation that wants to come through you, where growing your business and building demand comes from razor sharp business precision and business growth is always tied to an expansion of your pleasure. Expanding your mind and your nervous system to create more, receive more, and be bigger in visibility and impact in the world than your rational mind ever imagined possible. This isn't matrix business building. It's business building through soul ascension. This isn't just business coaching. This is the timeline to your destiny. Are you ready to play? Welcome to the Ascension Through Entrepreneurship podcast. Let's get started. How's it going? Have you all been loving the recent podcasts? I recognize, and some of you have recognized, there's a little bit of a different flavor, and I can totally trace it back to what's happening in my consciousness that's creating it. There has been, and you've probably noticed, I'm tracking the marketplace in a way that I haven't talked about in a long time. And I mean, actually ever on this podcast, I mean, y'all have heard about my business background. Like all I did was work with like looking at the marketplace before I ever came into personal development and the online space. All of my work history was basically working inside of businesses. I didn't know how to manage my mind at all, but I knew how to look at what was happening in the marketplace. And I don't know if you've noticed, but business this year in 2023 is very different. It's very, very weird is how some people are explaining it. Very, very bad is how I'm hearing other people explain it. But I want to be super clear. My opinion on this is that business isn't bad right now. Right now, we're not in like some bad, oh, I don't like what's happening. It's like bad. It's just very, very different for those of us who have been in the marketplace for a long time. All of a sudden, everything that worked before is not working. There's like this this thing. It's like right now, it's just like kind of the rumblings, right? And you know how once you experience a big event, a big shift, a big sea change once, you sort of know how it feels in your body. Like um, we... We're going to talk about it today. I'm going to tell a lot of stories about the period that we lived in San Francisco through. We lived in San Francisco through a big boom. And then when we decided to move from San Francisco, I we went, we were visiting other places and we came to visit Austin where we now live. And I was like, oh, I can feel there's an energy here, right? Like there's something happening right now. Like Austin is about to take off. You can feel it. You can feel in places. You can feel in the marketplace when there's big changes that are about to happen. And, you know, just the same way we lived through a huge wave and a boom in San Francisco, we have now lived through a huge wave and a boom in Austin. So once you've sort of lived through these cycles, you start to feel 
feel when certain energies are happening externally in the marketplace. You start to track them, right? And while this year I've been experiencing these different sort of market shifts, I've been noticing different patterns. And listen, I like I cannot tell you the number of like form like seven and eight figure businesses scrambling this year. And in some cases, just totally collapsing. I think some of that is marketplace factors and some of that is like wealth code stuff, right? Like they didn't, they didn't take my wealth codes course and they didn't have business reserves. Like they didn't plan their money because a lot of entrepreneurs, they're good at making money, but they don't know how to manage their money to build wealth. And so people that didn't do the sort of wealth codes work have literally gone out this year. And I can see at the same time where these, these huge businesses have gone out, there's also these tiny businesses that are just starting now that I can literally see are the next wave of the future. And it is very fun to watch. It's like the the business example of like the compost, right? There's like these old things, these old ways of being, these old ways of doing things. They're just sort of like falling away, dying, composting. And then this beautiful, it's creating sort of nutrition for this beautiful soil for this next wave of digital businesses to sprout and thrive and grow and like really roar through the marketplace. Like the future is bright. You better get your sunglasses on. If if you're coming to the future, you better get your sunglasses on, right? So I don't know if it's like the fact that I've lived through these like big sort of marketplace changes that I can feel happening. I don't know if it's that I don't know if it's like my psychic abilities. I have literally been in psychic development classes. So like I can read energy in a more nuanced way. Like I've always had the gift. So I was always sort of tracking things, but now I'm actually developing it. So I know what, what it means, right? In my body. Um, And it could also be in human design. I'm a manifester. Listen, we're like 8% of the population. There's not a ton of us, but manifestors are the design type that we sense the future, like before the rest of the collective. Manifestors initiate and innovate new things into the collective. It's actually interesting. The woman I work with, sometimes for my human design chart, it's fun. She's done my chart. She's done readings for me and my team so that we know how best to interact with each other. Her name is Barbara and she lives in Austin and she's like old school. She actually worked directly with Ra Uhuru, which is the man that channeled human design in initially. So she was like, she trained with him. She learned from him. So she has a lot of thoughts about how like human design has sort of become watered down and isn't what he initially taught. But one of the things that she mentioned to me that I thought was so interesting was that in the beginning, Ra, who was the person who channeled the system in, he only wanted to give it to manifestors because manifestors were the people that are here to initiate the rest of the collective into like entirely different ways of being and doing things, right? So we're like that leading edge spark of initiating the collective and the manifestor is not designed to wait. Manifestors are designed to initiate and... I am here (laughs) to initiate everyone that's listening. Listen, if you're a projector, consider this your invitation. Any of the rest of you consider like I'm giving you this to respond to. There is huge change coming. The image that's been in my mind is one of a surfer as I've felt like these, because it's not, you can't see a lot of it yet. It's very subtle energy right now, right? But the way that a surfer, part of what makes a surfer, like a really excellent surfer, part of what makes them an excellent surfer is they become 
very deeply, deeply attuned and present and aware, almost like they're one with the ocean waves, right? And they can sense those tiny, subtle shifts in the wave. And they know, like they literally can feel in their body when they're like, oh, this is about to be a big wave. And this is like, this is the way I need to start to work with the wave, start to be on my board, start to navigate this versus something that's not going to be that, right? And because of that, because they have that deep attunement with the subtle sensations, like the initial tiny little rumblings of the wave before it even manifests on the surface as a giant wave, because they're so attuned, they can feel it and they can get in flow with it. They can catch the wave and they can ride the momentum of that wave. And because they're so attuned to it, they get like there, it's just a lined flow, right? They're just getting this massive momentum hit of working with the wave in tandem, right? Like with the, where the wave is going, they get to work with the wave and ride the wave and have this adventure of a lifetime sort of experience because they have trained themselves as surfers to be really attuned to the waves. So when you're an entrepreneur, your waves Listen, even if you're a manifester like me and you're like channeling in something the world has never seen before, right? <laughs> your waves are still the marketplace. You have to ground it. As an entrepreneur, you have to ground your business into the collective, the denser energy inside of the collective. So you and your business, it's you and your surfboard. That's you and your business. And the broader marketplace is the waves you get to ride as you ground your business, your vision, your mission, your purpose into the collective as your lived reality. And right now, the change is subtle on the outside. I mean, for some people, they're, they're already, they're like, no, it's, business feels different this year. It doesn't feel that subtle. <laughs> but for a lot of people, they haven't felt the ramifications of it yet, but there are rumblings of something really, really deep coming. And I'm going to call it now, over the next 10 to 20 years, there is going to be an absolute sea change in the business landscape, in the world, in the marketplace, the likes of we have not seen since the internet came to the public in the 1990s. I mean, there's like, there's these kind of big technological things that happen and the world is just never the same again. I think of like when the automobile got introduced, right? Before we were walking or riding horses and all of a sudden there's cars, right? And right now we have this period, we are just at the very beginning of a huge tidal wave of the next wave of tech and what it is going to mean for our society. We're feeling the tiniest rumblings of it now. You will not recognize 20 years from like 20 years from now, you will not, you'll be like, oh my gosh, what? I can't even imagine. I mean, you'll be able to imagine because it will be a lived memory for you. <laughs> but if you were like bring an alien here today and then an alien 20 years from now, it would not look like it was the same place, right? That's how big the change is going to be that's coming. And so we're at this threshold of this next wave of technology and we're going to get into it today. Are you going to get on board and ride with it? And so this feeling, these beginning rumblings of an epic wave that's starting to rise is very, very familiar for me. As a lived experience, my human body has experienced in this lifetime, right? I lived in San Francisco during a giant 
massive shift that will never make that city will never be the same again. Like I lived there through a giant rise in tech. There was this old world, this old way of doing business. And while we lived there, there was this giant chasm that arose, this giant sea change in Silicon Valley. It went, Silicon Valley was like known for tech, but it had sort of been just sort of quiet on its own. It's, you know, not, not in San Francisco, right? It's down South from San Francisco. And so people knew about it, but it was sort of like, oh yeah, so they've got some tech stuff happening there, right? And there were flickers of like, this could be something that's big. Two, while we lived there, it became a roaring fucking fire, a giant epic center of gravity hit that reverberated out way beyond Silicon Valley and really changed the face of San Francisco. And it was really, really triggering for old school San Franciscans. For me, I was just like, I had just moved there and in like a year or two. I wasn't attached to the old San Francisco. I was like, wow, this big wave of change is cool. This tech is cool. It's really innovative. I love this. But the people who had lived in San Francisco for a long time, all they knew is the city that they had known. And they wanted to stay in the past. And they were really fighting hard to stay in the past. There were so many people banding together to try to prevent. I lived there during a time when a lot of old school San Franciscans were banding together and rallying and lobbying to try to make it the case that tech companies would not be allowed to have headquarters in San Francisco. They like did not want tech coming into the city. And it was really interesting because even though I lived there through a lot of tech companies did start coming in and headquartering themselves in San Francisco... For those of you that don't know, I mentioned a minute ago, but Silicon Valley is technically about a 45-minute drive from the city of San Francisco. And so we were living there during this period where people were in San Francisco, they're feeling the rumblings. They're like, oh, we can feel like this big fire is about to start roaring. We can feel the, the quake that's sort of starting to come into our city and we don't like it. And they wanted San Francisco to sort of stay this like, you know, the charming Victorian homes and the whatever, like they didn't want innovation. They didn't want technology. They didn't want the future. They didn't like what it would represent to the city. And so there was this sort of tidal wave of change. Like there was for sure, you could feel there was no stopping it. (laughs) And this big new future being ushered in upon people and the people that felt like the change was happening to them, they did not like that future coming in upon them. And they were like kicking and screaming, trying to cling to the past. So I think I've mentioned this before, but early on, we moved out to San Francisco for my husband to go to grad school to get into the tech space. And then while he was still in grad school, he actually got a job working at Google for several years. And Google was located in Silicon Valley, which was about 45 minutes out from where we lived in San Francisco. But as a company, Google recognized that a lot of the young, hip people at that time didn't really want to live in Silicon Valley. It's cooler now, but at the time, it was kind of sleepy. Like a lot of the top talent was actually living in San Francisco where it was really vibrant and hip and alive. It's funny because since the pandemic, (laughs) a lot of people have different opinions about what San Francisco is now. But at the time, San Francisco is feeling really vibrant, really hip, really alive. And so Google and other big Silicon Valley tech companies started offering free buses. Like there was this free shuttle that they wanted to they wanted to attract all the top talent all of the cool young hip engineers and kids that were living in San Francisco that were like otherwise they were like well we don't 
want to drive down to Silicon Valley every day. So Google was like, we know we're going to solve for that. And they set up an entire shuttle system that would drive through. And all of a sudden in San Francisco, all of these old San Franciscans are just noticing these big, giant, luxury, unmarked shuttles suddenly all around San Francisco. Because it started with Google and then like every other Silicon Valley firm followed suit. And they were like, wait, we want that top talent in San Francisco. Let's start our shuttle system too, right? So all of a sudden... San Francisco is just a buzz with these large, unmarked luxury buses, right? So these Google employees, they'd get assigned their bus stop and then they'd get onto their bus and then they wouldn't have to worry about driving down or they wouldn't have to worry about getting themselves to public transportation, which wasn't necessarily going to be like the most elevated experience for them. It was going to have a lot of stops, right? So Google solved for it. They had these nice cushy buses that took great care of their employees. It allowed their employees to rest or relax in the shuttle. And then it was a direct line. They didn't have to stop a bunch of times like public transit that just took them right from the city all the way down to Google headquarters. And you know how when big change comes, people who are fighting to stay in the past choose to focus and dial in. They sort of pick something to like hate. They're like, this is representative. Like this is representative of everything that's wrong of this new order, right? For the people in San Francisco who were fighting against the rise of tech, the Google buses became their totem of like everything they hated about the change. It was actually quite hilarious for me, even at the time, because their argument was like this tremendous rise of wealth and tech and how it was harming little people. And I just kind of thought it was hilarious because my husband and I are living in like a 400 square foot apartment. (laughs) We are not rolling in the cash and the super tech giants, let's be real, they were not taking the shuttle. (laughs) (laughs) They might have been a luxury shuttle, but the super tech folks were like taking a helicopter from San Francisco to Silicon Valley every day. But what the people on the ground could see was the shuttles. So they decided to hate the shuttles. There there were so many flyers that would like just be all over the streets, like talking about how much they hated the shuttles, how the shuttles shouldn't be there, how it was like representative of like everything that was wrong with what was happening in San Francisco. And people who didn't want this change, there were legit riots. There was one day my husband, he would take the, he worked at Google. He took the Google bus and he'd just gotten on the bus and an entire group of people emerged from an alleyway and started throwing large rocks at the bus, screaming, yelling, so mad, so angry, so hateful. And I get it. Like they were feeling so powerless. They were terrified of the change. They were afraid that they were going to sort of get swept under the wave, right? So There, they were doing, they were just uh, raging with all of their might, so terrified and angry about the imminent, massive, unstoppable change that was upon the city. So I get it. I have compassion for where they were at. I'm just like, I don't think throwing rocks is the answer. And my husband was scared. Like, he started to feel, like, quite scared. There was a period of time where, like... You just didn't know what was going to happen. There was so much tension in the air that a lot of Google employees started feeling very nervous for their actual physical safety. There were incidents where tech workers were actually like harmed, right? So that was a, a period that we lived through, right, of this big tech wave coming in and people being terrified of it. And some people, when they're terrified of it, they fight. And some people, when they're terrified, they freeze. And everyone was having their own sort of stress response reaction in the collective around this big sea change that was happening. And that sort of next wave change, it's coming. 
I can feel the rumblings right now. Once you live through it, (laughs) you know it. Sort of like a volcano that on the surface right now, it looks totally dormant, but the lava deep, deep below the surface, it's starting to gather, it's starting to gain momentum, and it's starting to gather speed up to the surface of the earth. Now, the other thing that was really interesting that I got experience very firsthand while we lived in San Francisco during this massive tidal change, this massive wave of tech change, this big boom was I had a very unique vantage point into this as someone, as I mentioned last week, on the ground selling newspaper ads at a time when there was this giant digital rupture, this giant wave of tech that was coming. The marketplace was shifting and changing so quickly. And the company I worked for, San Francisco Chronicle, which was owned by Hearst Media, like the whole thing was desperately, that entire company was scrambling, desperately trying to figure out what to do as its entire business model had relied on being a massive conglomerate of print media and communication at a time when the winds of change and everything in the marketplace began blowing in a very different direction. And while I worked at the San Francisco Chronicle, we as a business We were starting to bring in those digital media services. I talked last week about the SEO packages that I was selling. So all of a sudden, I had this opportunity to be working with a lot of advertisers that were traditionally, like they were old school. They were at the time, like they were not on, maybe they had a website, maybe, right? But they weren't doing a lot in the digital space. There were some that were running newspaper ads. There were some that weren't even doing that. And so these local, small local businesses in, in San Francisco during this time of like the Google bus riots, right? Like my husband is at Google getting rocks thrown at him on the bus and I'm on the ground helping these small local businesses navigate this giant tidal wave sea change into needing to have a digital presence in order to grow, in order to have a business in that day and age. My clients were clothing and jewelry stores, furniture and home goods stores, neighborhood hardware shops, vacuum repair shops, hearing aid centers. I mean, literally any type of small business you could imagine, I probably worked with them to help them grow their businesses. And there was this fork in the road that businesses were facing of basically, are you going to choose to modernize? This wave is upon us. Are you going to adapt? Are you going to grow? Will you shift and change to accommodate where the marketplace is heading and decide to learn this new digital skill set? Or are you going to stay back in the land of just feeling comfortable with brick and mortar, newspaper ads, like, I'm scared of technology, I don't want to touch it. Now, right now where we are today, in 2023, you can see where those two paths led, right? Those businesses at that time, there was a fork in the road, there was a choice to make. The businesses that chose to not get online, that the, you know they chose this new tech stuff, scared them. I cannot tell you the number of business owners that were like, I didn't get into business to learn tech stuff. I didn't get into business to do digital stuff. I love making jewelry. I love marble fabrication. I love hardware. I love candles, right? Whatever their thing was, they were basically like, I love my craft, But they had chosen to start a business, which meant they were now playing in the landscape of the marketplace. They also had to have entrepreneurial skill sets. And those that chose not to actually opt into it were taken out. 
The online space just started roaring so quickly. There were some, there were some that had enough foot traffic in certain neighborhoods. They were okay. But I watched this massive tidal wave come through and there was this fork in the road moment. The businesses that chose to adapt and evolve grew and the businesses that decided that that was uncomfortable for them and they were scared and they didn't want to do it. And so for these business owners, their protests, they were not the ones throwing rocks at the Google buses. I mean, at least I don't think they were. (laughs) They might've been. I might've had some of my clients that were out there throwing rocks at my husband. But their protest from what I experienced in my awareness of what I saw with these small businesses was that their protest was like, "I, I don't want to learn digital marketing. I don't want to learn SEO optimization. I want to make candles. I want to make jewelry. I want to do this. I want to, I don't, basically they were saying, I don't want to be an entrepreneur. I want to be a craftsperson. And their protest was feeling this big wave of change coming in the business environment. And they were choosing, I'm not going to get on my surfboard to ride the wave. I'm choosing to not do that. And we all know what that wave largely did, right? It took most of those businesses out in the last 10 years that decided not to get on the surfboard and ride the wave. Like I said, there's some that are still just kind of hanging on some brick and mortar places, maybe in neighborhoods with heavy foot traffic that still, maybe they don't need the visibility and exposure that being online can bring. But the businesses that didn't have that, they've stalled and withered at best and mostly completely died at worst. What that time period brought was a great chasm. Now, for those of you that are like, what the hell is a chasm? There are two definitions, and they are both very relevant here. Chasm, a deep fissure in the earth, rock, or another surface. Chasm, a profound difference between people, viewpoints, feelings, etc. And while what I'm talking about literally is a chasm between the entrepreneurs who decided You know, they had a profound difference between viewpoints of where business was going. And they said, I can see where the marketplace is headed. I'm choosing to get on my surfboard and ride that wave of momentum. And there were some businesses that had the difference, the different viewpoint of like, I don't like where that's going. And the wave took them out. So this visual, though, of the deep fissure in the earth, I also think it's very important and very relevant here. It's profound. For those of you that know anything about the history of the earth, we didn't always have these discrete continents. Like there wasn't North America and Asia and Africa the way that we know them now. 200 million years ago, the earth was a giant supercontinent. It was one giant landmass. And then at different points over time, these giant fissures started to form. These giant cracks in the earth began to take place until finally... Entire land masses, which we now know as continents, split off, and those continents began evolving in entirely different ways. We see that in human culture and the different values and belief systems that different countries hold. We see it in the plants and animals of different places. Places like Madagascar and the Galapagos Islands are highly sought out for tourism precisely because of how differently those places evolved from the rest of every continent on Earth. They have trees, animals, plants like nowhere else on the planet because they split off from the giant landmass so long ago and then started going down an entirely different path of their evolution. 
it's super easy to see when we look at discrete land masses, right? It's like, oh yeah, I can see that jo- that was a supercontinent. This piece broke off. It makes sense that then because they were discrete land masses, they evolved very differently. But these giant chasms are now happening between people and businesses literally across the street from one another. Literally. Part of my job when I was at the San Francisco Chronicle was being assigned certain neighborhoods as my territory as the ad rep. And I watched as some businesses on the same street would begin advertising with me, and then their business would start booming, flourishing. They got all this digital exposure. They're welcoming in this whole new wave of clients they previously didn't have access to. And then there were other businesses next door across the street that I had even spoken with, and they were like, they were resistant. They didn't want to get onto the digital train. And over my time, while I worked that neighborhood, I watched as their doors closed forever. And new businesses came in that were saying yes to the new modern era, the new way of doing business. They were riding the wave of momentum of where the marketplace was headed. Now, coming to the last few years, even before AI, which really started to, I would say, root down into the public, like, I don't even want to say it's mainstream yet. I don't think there's mainstream adoption, but it's enough that people are talking about it and it's in most people's awareness. But even before that, I've noticed in the last few years, a new chasm is starting to form. A new chasm that right now, we haven't fully felt the split off, but it's starting. It would like the cracks were starting like a couple of years ago. And we're now starting to see, I can feel there's like this fissure that's starting to break off. And there's going to be two different ways that digital entrepreneurs go. And it's so interesting that this time, the, the dinosaurs last time, right? That period in San Francisco, it was like the dinosaurs that were like, I'm only going to stay a physical store and I'm only going to have newspapers and I'm not going to say yes to digital at all. In this next chasm, this next big wave that's coming, it's actually not the dinosaurs that are hanging on to that. On both sides of this new chasm forming are digital entrepreneurs, technically. They're all online. They all have social media presences. But there is a population of digital dinosaurs, and there is a population that is going to ride the next wave of momentum into where business, the marketplace, and technology is headed. And in the last few years, I would say I really started to notice like a change in the energetics when TikTok came in and it was ushering in this different energy into the space. Even for businesses, listen, I'm still not even, I think I have a profile on TikTok. I'm still not even using it as a marketing platform. We might get up there in the next six to 12 months. But when TikTok came in, the energy of that platform actually grounded into the collective and it started quaking through all of the other platforms. So all of a sudden, Instagram, which had been this platform that started, Instagram, if y'all remember when it first started, it was a, a beautiful image sharing platform. That was the whole thing. I think actually it was bought by Meta, but it was started, I'm pretty sure, by a photographer. And then I, I think it was like a 12-person company. And it was insane how much that they got b- bought for. Those people did very well in that exit. But it started as a platform to share photos. But as the platform matured, as the marketplace matured, as things became different, all of a sudden... Instagram, which had started as a platform to share beautiful static images, all of a sudden it wasn't that anymore. 
the platform itself was evolving. It was moving with where the marketplace was headed. It was going towards more video, more dynamic creative, all of these formats and tools that really modernized the way that we could market and reach our target audiences. But just like the people who threw rocks at the Google bus or the businesses who kept wanting to just run newspaper ads instead of coming into the digital space at all, in this new chasm, some of these digital businesses have not wanted to cross over this threshold. They're still marketing like it's 2011, and it's not. They're not getting up on their surfboards to ride the next wave, and it's starting to take a lot of businesses out. I am calling this group of people the digital dinosaurs. And I was thinking about it because I'm 38, and one of the really interesting things about being my age is that I literally remember a time when the internet didn't exist in the public sphere. I remember dial-up internet. I remember I'm like 10 years old logging onto AOL. I wish I could do like the ba-ding, 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 right? As you're like dialing into the internet. I remember that. I literally grew up with the internet. I was little when the internet was little, and I have grown up with it as it has grown up and really become part of the fabric of our day-to-day as a collective and how people live across the world. And many of my clients are, I would say, 10 to 15 years either younger or older than me. And that puts us in this bracket where technically we're quite familiar with the digital space. It's not a thing that we would say like, oh, like I'm scared of online, (laughs) Like, like, listen, my grandma to this day will not shop on Amazon because she's scared to put her credit card information on the internet. So we can see how ridiculous it is. I mean, I have compassion. I understand. I'm like, oh, I get it. That was a new technology that was new for you. And now for those of us that adopted it, I don't know, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, now pretty much I buy everything online, right? Whereas people like my grandma, they were like, that makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to get on the train with that. And to this day, when she wants to buy something, she's got, she's got to like reach out to my mom and mail her like a check. And then my mom will shop from Amazon. And so there's people right now, this group of digital dinosaurs that technically they're on social media platforms. Technically they're there. Technically they're marketing. They've likely been there for a while, at least a handful of years, and they were used to the old way of doing things. And as this chasm starts to form, as the marketplace shifts and changes, and many people are choosing to get on the surfboard and ride the wave, they're like, I don't like this wave. (laughs) (laughs) and it's not slowing down. The change is actually, I promise, it's going to start to come very rapidly. I'm going to call it in the next three to five years, I would say. We're now seeing AI enter the public domain and the conversations online about, like, they sound so familiar, actually, to, like, the conversations that were happening when I was living in San Francisco as Silicon Valley really started to take root and become a center of gravity on the planet and radiate out that sea change of tech just being sort of the the bedrock, right, of how any sort of business was doing business. And so people, I see this now with AI, they're like boycotting Zoom because they're like, oh, Zoom talked about how they're incorporating AI. And does anyone know how I can use something that isn't Zoom? And people are resistant to having to learn. They're like, I don't know how to work with the AI and the AI is stupid and and I don't like it and I don't understand it. And really it's like they don't understand it. So they want to call it stupid. It's like you give it, I mean, I don't even think three to five years, give it one to two years. (laughs) 
And being so scared of the idea of what might be coming, some people haven't even gotten on these platforms to touch it, to try it, to engage with AI. These are the digital dinosaurs. They are technically online. They are technically among us in the digital business space. They technically run digital businesses, but they're choosing to stay back as this next chasm starts to form, as this next wave of energy starts to really build momentum, this next wave of technology that's creating a giant chasm between two types of digital business owners. Right now in 2023, we're starting to see the writing on the wall. Things that have been working for digital businesses for seemingly forever, like, I don't know, people maybe that have only been in business five years and like it was always working a certain way, are like, wait, what? Like all of a sudden, things are no longer working. Even generally like strategies for like people who've been in business 10 or 15 years, maybe some things have like shifted subtly, but for a long time, there's been a sort of tried and true blueprint of what kind of worked in the space. And now super suddenly, it's like a digital wasteland of no consumer response. Now, there are more marketplace factors at hand here in the broader collective. And we're going to be touching on that. I'm like running, I'll talk about it in a little bit, actually. I'm running a course called The Marketplace. And we're going to really dive into all of these market forces in the broader collective. Because y'all, buckle up. On the other side of this next 10 to 20 years and you're not going to have to wait 10 years to feel it. I give it three to five, but it's like, it will literally look completely different 10 to 20 years out. You will not recognize the world. You will not recognize how business is done. I promise you. Right now, we're just starting to experience like the first little rumbles of change, the first little rumbles of longtime business owners being like, hey, uh, Bobby, is is business weird for you this year too? Business in 2023 is like kind of weird, right? Hey, I, hey, I'm noticing these patterns and trends that I've just I've never seen in my digital business before. Are you experiencing this too? I cannot tell you the number of people I have heard discussing this, noticing things suddenly seem different than they used to be, and thinking this is just a weird blip in time. And they're like, you know what? I just got to sort of wait it out, and then things are just going to somehow go back to the way they were before. But the toothpaste is out of the tube. This isn't a weird blip. This isn't a weird year. People keep saying like, oh, maybe it's this like kind of sort of recession that we're having. Where we're technically not in a recession by the economic markers that define a recession. But like all of a sudden there's like consumer behavior that like we just haven't seen before. And maybe that's what it is. And they're thinking, you know, we just got to sort of hunker down. This is a single wave. This is one single wave, the way that any sort of economic boom and bust goes. And then we're just going to go right back to business as usual. And now, while there might be some recession-y type things at play, I promise you the broader, deeper part of what's happening goes way far beyond the natural rhythm and cycles of economic booms and recessions. What's happening right now is way deeper than a recession. It's an entire reshuffling in the collective. This is not a short-term kind of recession. This is the start of a long-term reshuffling of business and how it's fundamentally done in a completely different way. I lived through this in San Francisco and I watched the great chasm there take place and people who 
ran businesses across the street from each other. Some went one way and like were glowing, like riding off into the sunset of this new digital era. And others close their doors. And the tiniest cracks are just starting to emerge now of this next one. This is, to be super clear, this is not to freak you out, right? The same way back then in San Francisco, there were businesses that embraced the future, right? They got on their horse and they were like, let's ride off into the sunset. Let's do this thing. Let's make the jump from newspapers to the digital space. And they absolutely thrived because of it. They created so many clients and customers and amazing relationships they never would have had had they not gone on that beautiful adventure into the digital environment. That same wave of momentum is starting to build for us. Start to notice subtly what's happening in the marketplace. Like you're a surfer on your surfboard. Remember, you and your business are the surfer on the surfboard. The marketplace is the waves. Start to notice there's just subtle rumblings. And I would say those waves are really going to start cresting for us in the next three to five years. And there's moves that we can make right now that make sure we're riding the wave of momentum with them and that we're not completely taken out, knocked down, and and sort of like crushed under the wave. I think any anyone who's been in the ocean has experienced when you were on the wrong side of a wave. <laughs> And what happens, it totally knocks you down, takes you out, pulls you under. And I don't want that for any of you. If you think you might be a digital dinosaur that is resisting the change of where the marketplace is going, I just want you to think back to the businesses. You can see it now in 2023, right? Thinking back to 10 or 15 years ago, the businesses that were like, you know what? I'm going to stick with newspapers. The future with newspapers is bright. was not the best decision they ever made. But for those that choose, like I can see where the marketplace is headed. I can see that the future is bright. I trust in myself to learn new things. I trust in myself to evolve and adapt and change. I'm a powerful creator and there's limitless potential. But to also recognize we're humans. So we naturally fear new things. And we especially fear new things we don't understand. So if you're feeling resistant to all of these new changes, whether it be the more dynamic way of marketing online, whether it be the shift to video, whether it be artificial intelligence, to just honor you being scared or resistant, all that means is you're a human. Like, check. You get the check box. We've checked the box. You get the human award. But don't let your human ruin your business. Don't let that natural sort of human fear of the unknown or the future or resistance to change, don't let that part of your human harm your mission and take out your business. The future is coming. It's bright. It's beautiful. There is so much possibility and potential. Listen, get your sunglasses on. Get ready to ride the wave. The seeds of the next big wave of the future are just starting to sprout right now in the collective. Right now, they're just tiny little seedlings. You can barely, you know, you're like, oh, it's. I've heard a conversation here or there. It's like little seedlings. Give them a few years and they're going to be in full bloom, sprouting in the online space, sprouting way broader than just our little digital online 
marketplace. It's going to change the entire fabric of how we know and operate in the world. The tiny cracks we're seeing right now, it's going to look like a really big chasm, the likes of which we have not seen since the newspaper to digital era. And listen, if you're hearing this and you're like, man, I feel like having really deepening into a conversation around this would be so good for me. Maybe you've run a business, but you've never actually taken it through marketplace cycles. Maybe you don't often think about broader marketplace factors, technology changes, market forces, industry trends, and how all of that actually impacts. You're like, wait, no, I just have like a small online business. (laughs) I'm making 50K. I'm making 30K. I'm making, you know, 100K, 200K, like in this market where there's billions and billions of dollars like transacting every single day that can feel really small but those bigger marketplace forces they still impact us as small businesses and so if you're feeling into this and you can feel like inside your body you're like oof there's something for me here i want to invite you to apply to the words or wands mastermind for this coming november this course i'm creating called The Marketplace. It's something I'm offering to this November class of the Words or Wands Mastermind because as I was tracking in the broader collective, this is absolutely one of the most important conversations digital businesses need to be having right now. It's like people are like, oh, it's still you know a couple of years off. It's like, no, no, no. The, the rumblings are here now. <laughs> We want to be ready for the wave and there's businesses that are going to be ready and there's businesses that are not. And so as I thought about what I wanted to offer as a bonus for the November class of the Words of Ron's Mastermind, this is so important right now. Like what most people are thinking, they're like, ooh, like, you know, is this just a recession? Is this is this not a recession? What's going on with how the market's not responding the way it always responded? This is an entire reshuffling. We're not going back. The toothpaste is out of the tube. And how do you start to make sense of your business riding into that next wave of momentum instead of being taken out by the wave? How do you get into flow and alignment with these market changes so building your business feels like you're just getting up on your surfboard and you're just letting the wave carry you into success instead of feeling like the market wave is like crashing on you and pummeling you in the face and taking you under? So if you're feeling into this, and you're like, I can feel this is a really important conversation for me, you can head to www.katherinemorsoncoaching.com forward slash messaging to apply and join us not just for the November class of the Words or Ones Mastermind, which is an entire six-month intimate mastermind where you're going to get so much mentorship, feedback on your direct questions, help on refining your offers, your messaging, the business strategies you're using, all from a place that balances the head and the heart at that intersection of intuition and strategy, creativity and logic, structure and flow. But you're also going to gain access when you join us for the November class of Words or Wands. You're going to gain access to the marketplace. This is going to be an entire eight-week deep dive into this great reshuffling that is happening right now and how to be on the right side of history with it with your business. If you are really wanting to end 2023 strong and start 2024 even stronger, this is like jetpack rocket fuel levels of support, mentorship, and business training. And I would love to be your guide as we navigate this next big tech wave, this next big shift, like no going back, toothpaste is out of the tube. 
And as always, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out to support at katherinemorsoncoaching.com. I love you all so much and I'll see you next week. you are loving what you are learning on the podcast and you're ready to cultivate and radiate your unique frequency out into the marketplace so that your audience stops the scroll, sees you, and drops in to buy, your next step is joining us in the Brand Alchemy Accelerator. Once you're energetically unbound, we take the work deeper as you prepare for the solopreneur to entrepreneur transition in the pleasure and precision mastermind, more deeply cultivating your energy and then learning to powerfully harness and direct it on the front end through the precision of your marketing and selling and on the back end through setting up a business that feels like it's holding you instead of you feeling like it's one more thing you have to take care of. Head to www.katherinemorsoncoaching.com to learn more.